Welcome to another episode of This Catholic Life, conversations about life's ups and downs, big and small, how we deal with every situation imaginable, whatever life throws at us, but still manage to be sensible, practical, and joyful. Today's show is about Bible studies, a conversation about Bible studies and how they fit into building of community. Do they even build community? Are they communities in themselves? Uh, why even bother? I'm your host, Peter Holmes, and today I'm joined by Charlotte and Beth and Pablo. Welcome, Charlotte, Beth and Pablo. Thanks, Thanks for having us. By way of disclosure, Charlotte, Beth and Pablo are part of a, a larger group of people who meet on Monday nights now via Zoom. It was live originally, but uh, now via Zoom to study the scriptures uh, every Monday night. So let's get into this, building community with Bible studies. We've talked about liturgy and its role in building community, and there's a fair bit of scripture in liturgy, but why would we study the Bible at all? I mean, what's the point? It's an ancient document written many years ago. Why would we bother studying the Bible? What do you reckon, Charlotte? Brilliant question. I don't know how to answer it in one go, but I guess the thing that most inspires me to you know, study the Bible is really Jesus himself. So I was thinking about it and you know, he used scripture to combat the devil in the desert uh, on the road to Emmaus. He you know, it was explaining all the passages and how they spoke about him and, and you know, led to him and, and the disciples or the apostles were sort of saying how their hearts burned within them. And I think really if we're going to live a Christian, a Catholic life, our hearts should be burning inside us as we read the scriptures. And, yeah, to do that in community is, I guess, the way that we um, as a Christian family get to know God um, and his love for us and, and grow in love for him. Fair enough. That's a pretty good answer. Uh, what about you, Pablo? What do you reckon? I would say that for me, um, you know, wanting to study the Bible is is um, really important for the growth of, of my faith. You know, I'm very interested, like, in, you know, understanding things at a deeper level. And I think going back to the, the, the origins and core of our faith is, is really important. And I find it just fascinating to you know start at the beginning as we've been doing and go through go through the entirety of salvation history mm. and um and i think you know i think it's a great opportunity to to yeah like i say deepen our faith and um deepen our i think it directly contributes to our relationship with god as we ponder the right. questions that are in the bible so many challenges uh to you know, to, to our, how we should live our lives, um, you know, even things that, you know, in terms of what we believe, you know, challenges to that. And, and it's, it's fascinating and very enriching to our spiritual lives to be able to wrestle with those questions. What about you, Beth? I guess everything has been said, or, or I guess the most important points, but I guess what, what keeps coming to mind as I'm listening to the others speak is just that um, ignorance of Scripture obviously is ignorance of Christ. Um, and that now you said obviously there, but it's not obvious to everyone, is it? Because you, no. you quoted there, I think, St. Jerome, ignorance of scriptures is ignorance of Christ. And that assumes that if we don't know the Bible, we don't really know Jesus. Now that's a big call. So where do we get that from? Well, uh, woe be to me to try and um, re-quote the saints. Um, but I guess the thing is, you know, Jesus is the word of, of God, um, God's word made flesh. And in the Bible, we do have the Word of God as well. Um, and uh, as Catholics uh, or as people who maybe haven't felt that familiar with the Bible, you know, as the book, opening it up daily or studying it with others, 
I think, you know, we do know the Bible through our liturgy, like you've spoken about on other podcasts, and just through that heritage that's passed on with the faith um, and, the, you know, everything that the church teaches um, is biblical, is scriptural uh, in, in some fashion at least, or it's never contrary to the scripture. It's just maybe expounded a little bit more. So I think we are Bible people. We are Bible Catholics. But saying that, I feel like our Protestant brothers and sisters have really shown us that it's not enough just to kind of absorb through osmosis the Bible, but we actually have to make a concerted effort to get to know Jesus in that written word of God, um, because it really, without it, uh, we're a bit lost or or it's just all a bit too um, vague, our knowledge. Well, it comes back surely to the fact that a Christian is a follower of Christ. And if we're a follower of Christ, he's our beloved. And we talk of Christ being the bridegroom and the church being the bride. If, I mean, I'm married. If I, and everyone in this room is married, if we just hung out with our spouse and didn't say anything to them, uh, then the relationship, you might learn a little bit about them. You might get to know them a little bit by watching, observing, but you don't actually get to know what's going on inside their heart and their head. You don't actually come to know them as well as if you listen to them, if you listen to them actively. Also, communication goes both ways. Um, We all know it's uh, appropriate and proper to pray to God, but do we listen? And that's not just sitting in a room going home and listening for some sort of divine voice to come from the sky. God has given us his word, literally his word, the way he speaks to us, and means that if we are serious about being Christians, about following Christ, that we need to listen and get used to hearing his voice. Um, I know that if I go to the supermarket, I'll, I'll just watch Pablo's face as I say this. When I, when I go to the supermarket, I can hear my wife's voice speaking to me, even if she hasn't said anything. <laughs> she, I go into the aisle and I look for a particular brand and I can hear her saying, no, don't get that one, even if she's never said it, because I've listened to her for 27, 28 years now, and I'm used to her voice. I can almost predict, almost hear her without hearing her, so to speak. And that's because I'm in the habit of listening to her voice so that her voice lives in me, in a sense, precisely because of the constant communication. That's the kind of thing we're looking for in a Bible study, that we're constantly, we get used to listening to God at that level. As I hear you speak, I think that's that really summarises what I've got out of the Bible study that we've been doing. But I didn't realise that having not been involved in a Bible study for quite some years now, how that really does affect your faith. How, I mean, obviously I continue to practice and, and you know, attending Mass and at Mass we're obviously hearing the Scriptures, but it's a very different thing to when you're actually sitting with Scripture, thrashing it out, asking the questions, even a different process to say that Lexio Divina, but just how knowledge really empowers your faith and I think Pablo and I have been talking about that a lot since we started the Bible study just how important that is to to just keep engaging constantly with scriptures keep questioning keep engaging with it trying to understand it yep it's kind of like listening to a lover though isn't it you're listening to them they talk to you and it's not always comfortable yeah. Like they, they, they challenge your your comfortable status you know I know that when I first got married I'm thinking oh I'm in this relationship now. I can't back out. And she's just said that and I have to deal with that. This is the new reality now. (laughs) What am I doing about this? It was readjusting my life to understand, okay, well, hang on. What does God say about this? And uh, that's uncomfortable to me. And and 
that actually challenges me in some ways. In other ways, it's quite comforting, obviously, but we're definitely challenged in ways. But we're still talking about personal things here. Now, we're still talking about personal engagement with God. Why can't I, as, as many have tried to do, simply have a Bible study by myself? You know, each morning my father used to get up every morning and take the Bible up into the paddock and just sit there and read the Bible. Now, that's really good spiritual exercise, but why can't I just limit myself to that? Why do I need all the other annoying people involved? Um, you know, they keep bringing up different points to me and things I don't want to talk about. And <laughs> Why do they all need to be involved? I think there's two, two definite reasons for me, and one is to have a, a strong leader um, running the Bible study. Now, when I say that, I mean um, someone who has, you know, not only the knowledge of, you know, the Bible, um, but also the, the interpretation that, you know, the understanding of the language, that might be a lot to ask, but if you're able to find that, I think that is a wonderful thing because you're able to really uh, enrich your understanding of the text. Um, and I think the second thing is difference of perspective. So, you know, um, I might have read something, you know, hundreds of times and just thought the same thing. Uh, of a line in you know in the gospels but then someone might raise something that oh you know <laughs> i've never thought of that so um that's that's really useful but i think probably the first one is more important that you have um that it's a guided sort of exercise uh, otherwise right yeah i just remember um back in uni days sort of i think i might have even gone to a protestant bible study uh once and it was it was really fun it was just you know a chat it was a great chat and everyone had lots of opinions and they were all great. But at the end of it, we just had a lot of questions. And we said, oh, do you think that's what it means? Oh, I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> so you walk mm. away just kind of wondering and and often it just ends there. So, um, Is there a value in that? I, don't, I mean, I'm just, I don't even know the answer to this question, but is there a value in that? Let's, let's come back to the lover idea. Let's say I'm in love with someone. I'm thinking about asking them to marry me. I'm just trying to, I honestly, I would talk to anyone about my fiance, anyone who would listen at the time, I would just rabbit on and I'd ask them opinions and I'd ask them. And a lot of what they talked was rubbish because they didn't really know what they were talking about with her. But I was testing ideas and it was still, it was still valid for me because I was so into uh, my fiance that I really wanted to know. Even when it wasn't a good uh, source, it was still a good exercise to, to have a go, if you like, at trying to figure it out. I'm not trying to advocate for doing it without experts. Obviously, I have a vested interest in um, in people knowing what they're talking about. I teach this in university, so I'm interested in more people knowing. But we have to be honest and say not every parish can pull an expert out of their out of their you know pews. So one thing, Peter, is I suppose the expert in scripture is the Holy Spirit, and so if we do you know, in prayer or with the Holy Spirit, open the Bible or, you know, in good faith, have these Bible studies without experts because they're not readily readily available, then I think that, you know, God does provide. And whether that is through, you know, maybe it's not the high quality Bible study that we're able to access at the moment, having you, but I think a lot can come from it or it can even just sow seeds and make people more comfortable with the Bible and, you know, propel them to discover more because, there's, like you said, it's about kind of testing things when you were working out whether to marry your wife or not. You know, you, you've got other opinions and you, you listen to everything, but ultimately I think it's probably you, God, and, and your wife or your fiancé at the time, et cetera, that, that through testing everything knew that that was, 
you know, what, what God was calling you to do. And I think, isn't it like Thessalonians or something that, you know, invites us to test everything, but to hold fast to that, which is good. Um, and yep. so I, I think just even, you know, um, your parish whoop whoop that can't access some kind of expert per se, if you do come out of the Bible study with questions, there's so many online resources. If you could be guided or find a way um, of kind of weeding through that and finding good, solid resources online or yep. in, you know, books, I think there's a lot that can be gained from even the kind of more basic Bible studies. I, I agree with you totally, and I think um, there's advantages and disadvantages of everything. If, if you have... Once again, I have a vested interest here, but one of the disadvantages of having a, a so-called expert in the room, somebody who knows perhaps a little more about the, the technical details, is that other people usually are a little bit timid to speak up and they doubt whether their wisdom is actually as wise as it actually is. And that, that's, a, that's a drawback. So, I mean, I'm reasonably confident in a Bible study because I've done many of them and I'm studying it, but... I'm, I don't know everything. In fact, every time I have a Bible study, I learn something new, and it's wonderful to hear. And it'd be great if you know. And I think we're getting there. That more and more people are prepared to speak up and ask questions. And quite frankly, most of the time, I go home and have to think about it because it's actually a really good question. That's how we're growing. But one of the other things is that we actually grow when we struggle in the same thing, when we're all struggling to understand something at the same time. That's a real growth. Just in the psychological sense, it's a real growth if we're doing that together. But the programs one worries me more, and you said there's lots of stuff on the internet. There is a lot of stuff on the internet. Um, the trouble is, is that anyone with a computer and a modem can stick something on the internet. I know, I have a blog. <laughs> and some of it's rubbish. <laughs> so I'm just saying it doesn't guarantee it to be a good thing. Um, and in fact, in, in a lot of cases... Um, there's a lot of rubbish out on the internet. I actually warn my students when they do an essay, don't look at the internet for this essay because I've deliberately chosen a topic where almost everyone's wrong on the internet. There's, there are dangerous things that you get whoever happens to be best at promoting their site, not necessarily who's faithful and, and true to the word. However, there are some really good resources. I mean, we I think... Uh, Father Mike Schmidt's just doing a walk through the Bible kind of thing on Twitter, isn't he? I, I haven't actually um, double-checked it, but I think it was on Twitter. And again, that's pretty good. But but once again, you can't talk to him. You can't have that discussion. You can't wonder. And I, I'd like to throw that word wonder into the conversation. Is there space in our Bible study for wonder? And I mean, not just wondering things. I wonder what that means, but actual wonder to stop and be awed by something. To, to to let the word of God just dwell with us and we just go, wow, uh, as well as thinking, what the heck? This is changing everything. And now I have to rearrange a whole lot of things that I'm thinking. That having a program doesn't always give us that personal space to do that. That's true. And that, I think that's something I've really enjoyed with the Bible study that we're doing that, you know, I think when it came to the Ten Commandments, we spent at least four set, four meetings possibly double that i can't remember but i know that even one or two bible studies we literally went through one or two commandments and i think that that was incredibly insightful for me um, to really unpack that to get different opinions to look at it from so many different perspectives to look at the applications of that yeah having that that flexibility in a bible study rather than a rigid formal setting i found that really a great 
experience, whereas other parts of the Bible perhaps we can spend a little bit less time on, not to say that any is less or more important. But so I think, yeah, when you talk about that wonder, that's what came to me, that that just even one or two lines of Scripture sometimes are so mind-blowing that you could spend hours, possibly years, your, your whole life pondering. You can. But the trouble is I find myself skipping the bits that I don't want to think about. I've read through the Bible several times in several different languages, and I still skip certain bits, and I don't realise I've done it. But the way we've been sort of grinding through, we've finished the Pentateuch now and going into into Joshua, uh, there's whole parts of there that I realised I actually just skimmed this the last the last four times I read through because I didn't. I thought, oh yeah, that's that's that bit. But there was someone at least on every session who went, wait a second, wait, wait. What's this? What does this mean? What does this bit mean? And it's been really good for me to hold me up and actually make me look hard at all the different parts that I wouldn't necessarily look at it. The other thing is that we tend to look at the Bible very much from the perspective of wanting it to confirm everything we believe. We just, just let's have it all confirm everything we believe. Do you think that studying the Bible has shaken your your sort of comfortable ideas or, or your faith in any way? I think um, studying the, the these early books, as we've been doing, um, of the Old Testament, I think all of us are really struck, um, you know, just how, I don't know what the word is, strict or uh, harsh, <laughs> um, you know, God is and, and you know, I, I don't want to quote it, but sometimes striking, you know, people down for doing the wrong thing and it's just so instant and, and you just kind of, mm-hmm. it really makes you think about, you know, gosh, what am I doing? And and then also it's a bit mind-blowing <laughs> when you've mentioned that Christ, what Christ himself said is often harsher. <laughs> right, yes. So um, it, it really gets you thinking. Yeah, I think yeah. we try to soften, we soften the hard bits, but we also lessen the the grace and love parts. We don't quite get the extremes in Scripture. Like it seems to be we've kind of almost made God's love about the same as our best kind of version of love, which isn't God is so much higher than us. At the same time, we also don't want God to be too harsh because that's uncomfortable too. Um. But one thing <laughs> I've seen in studying um, the Bible as we're doing, going through, you know, we're only uh, not too many books in, um, but it's really kind of shaken me out of my lukewarmness because I'm a words of affirmation kind of girl. So, you know, would if I were to open the Bible beforehand, I'd go to Psalms or Song of Song or, or something like that um, to hear the love that God has for me. But I was actually really narrowing his love. So even the, you know, nitty gritty rules that are in Leviticus and stuff are all fruit of his love. You know, why you can't, uh, I'm going to, muddle it up now but you know why you can't kill the ground like take all the fruit of the ground to the very edge of the field is because of the great love he has for those who you know don't have land and can't afford it themselves you know why you couldn't wear certain things is because you know in other non-jewish kind of faiths or religions like the canaanites that meant something really degrading to the person and and it was sort of so counter to love and so all those silly rules that you know people might pull one line or another and it makes no sense out of context but when you actually put it in the context it just says how crazy in love god is with us and how strict he is because it's tough love it's real love it's the love that wants the best for his people and and doesn't want to be misrepresented 
as not loving us, you know, as being someone less yeah. than he is. It's kind of like, um, well, I mean, one of my kids is a little bit sick at the moment and the doctor has given them quite strict instructions. And mm. um, as their parents, I mean, they're adults themselves, but as their parents, I'm, I'm – quite stern no 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 you shouldn't do that and it's got nothing to do with me just arbitrarily wanting to stop them do things it's because we know we know this will help them get better and the other thing won't and so being very strict is actually um in those circumstances a manifestation of genuine love and in god's case uh he knows that sin separates us from each other it hurts us and it hurts the relationships but he also knows what works positively and i think perhaps Christians who have studied the Bible quite in detail haven't always been the best at bringing out that element of it, the the thoroughness of God's love, the completeness of God's love. Because you'd have to be honest and say most people who talk about Bible studies associate it with Protestant groups. And almost every time I've been invited to a non-denominational Bible study, it's that's, by the way, that's a lie. There's never non-denominational. It's just we don't want to admit where we're coming from. Um, but whenever I've been invited to one of these, I go in and find out that they're actually coming from a point of view which assumes that Catholics and quite a few others are wrong. Now, that they're still studying the same Bible. You're still going to agree on a, a, a lot of things, and there's still a lot of good in it. But we need to be aware that the way the relationship is before you even get to the study the way the relationship is with God is actually affects the way we do Bible studies. So uh, I did Bible studies differently as a brethren, as a as a Pentecostal, as a Lutheran, and now as a Catholic. They're, they're all different ways of studying the Scripture. But it doesn't mean our brothers and sisters in Christ who look at the same Bible can't come up with something sensible and true and good. Uh, so I became a Catholic because I read the Bible. So... There must be something in there that's useful. <laughs> so, and at least they're reading it right, Peter. Like, it re- you know, they're, yeah, well, they're engaging right. at with it. At least they're reading it. That's right. I think, um, I think Charlotte yeah. said that at the start, didn't she? She said exactly. that, um, that Protestants are really putting us to shame in how much they study the word. And Catholics kind of assume, and this is one of the dangers of being Catholic, we assume we don't need to do any work on this because we're right. Um, <laughs> now, just because the Catholic Church is right about things doesn't make us personally uh, right or have a good relationship with Christ. Sherry Waddell uh, was on our podcast a long time ago, but when she asks people in the parishes about their how they fit in a parish life and their building of community, the first question she asked them was, what's your relationship like with Jesus? And she said nine out of ten Catholics really struggle with that question. What's your relationship like with Jesus? And most of them have never heard of Bible studies or never been involved in Bible studies, and that's one one way to begin that sort of relationship. So let's let's kind of wrap up. We're getting towards the end of the podcast. What do you think? We've kind of hinted at it several times, but what do you think this has done with our relationship with Christ? Just personally speaking, I'll start with Pablo. Well, it's just for me, um, just made me hungrier to have a deeper relationship with Christ. I think it, it's. Yeah, like like Charlotte said earlier, you kind of start to recognise your own lukewarmness, and and you start to. I think I don't know. It's I, I because we're only um, so far into the the Bible. I think yeah, I'm getting this real sense of um you know the the, the wisdom of, of the the ancient uh, of ancient Israel. I'm I'm, try, I'm sort of 
getting this understanding that, you know, they they really had a well, God, because it's divinely inspired, you know, had a really good, had an incredible um, understanding of human nature and the things and, and these things that still like plagued them, plague us today. And, yeah, um, their problems are our problems. Yeah, and um, and so it, 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 there's no question of relevance to me. It's I'm very intrigued as well how, you know, how sort of, God teaches the people because it relates to how we need to also, you know, we also fall and we need to get back up and and um, and, and as as the the Israelites did. So, and most of the time that means God picking us up because we fall down yeah. and it's only God that can actually get us back because um, we stuff it up. What about you, Charlotte? Um, I think joining this Bible study and committing to it weekly has really. Um, well, relationship, Peter, you talked about, and I think that's the the key word for me. So relationship with Jesus is definitely, um, and God has increased. And that hunger that Pablo talks about is a hunger that has been ignited in me through doing this Bible study. And because I think it appeals on so many levels, on the heart level, but, you know, intellectually as well. And the fact that we're doing it in community really helps to um, enrich that feeling of church um, of connection, of family, uh, who, you know, all of us surrounded by the word of, like surrounded around the world, word of God and, and, you know, kind of bathing in his love and, and trying to understand him more. So it's mm. been a real blessing. Um, and I hope that it, you know, continues to have a lot of impact on my prayer life and, you know, my day-to-day life that I become more biblical in everything that I do. Lovely. All right, Beth, your turn. Yeah, look, it's something that that I have spoken a lot with Pablo about. We've been speaking almost every week after the Bible study. We chat for about another hour, hour and a half, to the point that I say (laughs) after Bible study, Pablo, I have to do things after Bible study. Please shut me up because I'm going to keep talking after Bible study. And we end up thrashing out so many things. Or shut up, Pablo. Hey. But, um, yeah, look, in every sense, a relationship definitely, like Charlotte said, my relationship with Christ. I think the sort of central theme for me that has been, uh, I guess this is quite personal, may not necessarily make so much sense to others, but that image of the, the or the exploration of the Israelites in the desert and that, that how that mirrors so much our experience in everyday life, um, that I found that that's something I've been pondering almost daily, I think, since we've done this Bible study, just how God knows knows exactly where we're at. He knows exactly what we're feeling. He knows exactly what this is like, but we are journeying to the promised land. Um, and that's something I think, um, again, in that period where I wasn't engaged with Scripture so much, I wasn't part of a Bible study, and to be honest, wasn't reading it very much before this Bible study for some time something that I had sort of lost sense of that uh, connection with that meaning and, and what this is all about. Yes, and that obviously then feeds into my prayer life immensely. I think that the thing that keeps striking me, particularly about those first five books, um, is that God deals with the people, that the people of God are his concern and that constantly the laws we talked about and all the different rules, but also the love and the forgiveness that's involved is very corporate. It's very much about the whole people of God. And even as a group, as we're looking at these things, we're, we're looking at them as a group and thinking about the group itself and how, how the dynamics work. And then hopefully what happens there is that we take this understanding of God's people as being a united sort of group that bound by his law of love 
out into the parishes and that the parish becomes an expression of this this kind of corporate um, love of God. In a, in a world that's so bound up in individualism, the scriptures bring us back to the fact that we are God's people and that that people is not just individuals running along uh, doing their own spirituality. It's actually a full people of God, a people of God who look to God but also are bound together by that relationship with God. So, yeah, it's interesting. Maybe we should have another whole show on on what a Bible study does to a parish. It's pretty hard to say because I haven't seen many parishes with with uh, with Bible studies in them. Perhaps if you're listening to this and you have a Bible study in your parish, uh, tell us about it. We'd love to hear about it. Send us a message. Give us an example. Perhaps even we can do another show on the follow up on what effect that has on the on the parish. I know that when parishes have RCIA and the people are together every week looking at the scriptures together, often that group will want to continue on after they they received into the church precisely because. The community nature of it has really worked for them. I remember hearing a talk by um, Robert Tilley, um, and he was saying, and it was something that I, I didn't really understand at the time, and I'm still getting my head around, but he was saying reading the Bible was like entering into the temple and, and going towards the Holy of Holies, like even the process of the way the Bible is written, like the journey of yes. reading the Bible. And I think, um, you know, your question earlier about you know what what it's you know um, how, you know how we feel about this you know our, with our relationship with Christ I think I, it makes me quite excited I don't know how about how the others feel but to especially starting from the beginning that we are like going further and further towards the Holy of Holies towards the Gospel towards Christ who is the fulfillment of the law so it actually I find that so fascinating that when you know Christ talks about um, as it was said in scripture, as it is said, as the prophecy said, you know, and you have a full understanding if you can see it from the beginning, you can actually get a deeper understanding of that. Not just that, oh, Christ is saying it to fulfill what they said in the Old Testament. <laughs> you can actually yeah. learn that. So I think that's, I find that really beautiful that you can journey towards Christ through this right. whole process of a Bible study, if you're lucky enough mm. to be able to do it from beginning to end. Yeah. It's interesting. I When I first suggested that to the the group of people who were in the first Bible study, um, they were a bit dubious about the value of it. Almost everyone is when you say, let's do it from start to finish. Oh, geez, uh, can't we just pick out the bits that are interesting? And, and admittedly, we're still, you know, doing a little bit of jumping over quite long lists of names, etc., but there is a value in it in that journey. Um, Dave Urban, which is a document of Vatican II, says uh, when we hear Scripture, we receive Christ. We actually receive Christ. He, he comes to us in, in, in reality, not in the same way as the Eucharist, but certainly in a real way. All right, well, that's it for this week's podcast. If today's discussion got you thinking or arguing with me, and if you've got a Bible study story you'd like to share with us, let us know via Twitter, Instagram, Facebook or Discord. Write us a review on iTunes and remember this is a uniquely Australian Catholic podcast. We think that's an idea worth getting behind, so tell your friends. We'll be back next week, but that's all for now. Thank you for listening to This Catholic Life. <laughs>